Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. We are back and ready for a big week. Outkick 360 is here across the Outkick network alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Kuharski. I'm Jonathan Hutton, Lance Lee, Jacob Swanson making the show happen, Regan McCross and our production assistant. David Reed is the chairman of the board, Becca Risley and Sleepy Danny down the hall as we broadcast live from Blackbird Studio, the Blackbird Academy, theblackbirdacademy.com, live from Nashville. Gentlemen, good Monday to you. Happy Monday to you. Good energy to start the week. We're going to bring that energy throughout the week right here on Outkick 360. A lot for um, a summer weekend to dive into. And not just big sports stories, but these periphery stories from NIL and other things that are happening that uh, we've got a week's worth of content to get into. We're not going to be able to get into it all today, but we'll get into a lot of it from over the weekend. So I'm excited about that. And we'll get into it all this week for certain. So, uh, also a couple of training camps open this week because uh, they get a head start based on the Hall of Fame game. So, um, we're very close, just a week away from uh, training camps opening all over the country, about 10 days away. So, uh, summer flying by. The summer's flying by, and so is the, the NBA Finals, now headed to Game 6. Bucks control Not the series. Not flying by, given the schedule that well, you complained to buy. Yeah, the, you're, you're right. The, the pace is very slow. <laughs> Uh, but just like that, the Bucks have command Control. of the series. Uh, after trailing, uh, the Suns led the series 2-0. You know, 2-0 headed to Milwaukee, and now they trail by a game and face elimination tomorrow night where Milwaukee has really turned things on. And, and they did so again in Game 5. The Suns raced out to an early lead, and then in the second quarter, the Bucks outscored them 43-24 to and then never looked back. Outstanding just, performance by Milwaukee. I don't understand how Booker late in that game lets Holiday rip that ball away at that crucial scenario. Yeah. It's such a bad turnover. Again, the Suns were were within three, I think, at that point. Crucial, crucial possession. He dribbles into trouble and then isn't strong enough to keep the ball from Holiday. He's got to get rid of it earlier, first off, because he stops his dribble and he's got four guys converging on him, which means a bunch of people are open if he could just get rid of it. But then Holiday, who had a terrific game, comes in there, steals it away from him, and that basically ends the game in terms of possessions. Uh, really disappointing play and what could have been a good comeback. But the Bucks, I mean, obviously have taken complete control of this. They go home now and they can finish it off. The Suns have, have just yielded the whole thing, and I'm really impressed with what the Bucks have done. Suns were up nine in game four. Bucks came back to win. They're up 16. Now, albeit it's it's the league of runs. And it's early. But it's early. But they're up 16. And then Milwaukee took complete control with Giannis on the bench. Yeah, 32 to 16 at the end of the Doubled them up in the first quarter. And then those 43 points in, in the second quarter. We're going to go back and look at that second quarter. If the yeah. Bucks go on to win and say that was 
the turning point, the moment where the Bucks lost the series. On that Booker play, so often in basketball, the early action is the right action. And a lot of guys are guilty of this. You, you do too much. And Devin Booker, when he had the ball in his hands, they didn't call a timeout. They didn't call a timeout for a reason. They wanted the ball in the hands of Devin Booker, but you got to go quicker. You know people are coming. When he got the ball in and he tried that spin move and tried to get the first shot has to go up from 14, 15 feet. Or the early pass. action is the better action, or you're going to pass it quickly yeah, because the moment you start to turn, there are guys coming. And that, I mean, it's impossible for him to hold on to that ball when you turn into Drew Holiday and he's waiting for you and he's going to rip it from you every time. That's just the way the game goes. That's why you have to get rid of it quicker. I would have preferred Devin Booker just drive in and shoot his little fadeaway shot at that point. He's going to get that shot up, shoot that shot, and not try to do too much. But then the play that we should be talking about is maybe the most pressure-packed alley-oop that I've ever seen. I don't know that I can recall a more clutch (laughs) lob pass than what we saw from Drew Holly. That thing was perfect. He even waited a beat to let Giannis get full gallop on that alley-oop and lobbed it perfectly over a defender. Granted, it was Chris Paul. He wasn't throwing it over DeAndre and and all Chris Paul could do was turn and intentionally foul Giannis. But what a play to end that game. Holiday was terrific. And I love Giannis. There's that video that's been circulating about him talking about humility. Yeah, humility. And, you know, the moment in my career I've noticed that I start to think, boy, I'm great. And that's a great night. I'm going to do it again. Then usually you fail the next, the, the next outing when you think that way. I think all that stuff is great. But, Paul, I know you're big on stars who make free throws. Yeah. I mean, even the Suns after the game said, we knew he was going to miss. We knew that we were going to have a chance still to go down and tie it with a three. And they don't get the box out. And I know DeAndre Ayton said, well, it was a horrible miss, which it was. He missed in such a bad way that it was tough to get the, the, the rebound. defensive rebound. But – I mean, it was a great game. I know that we've been talking about are people paying attention, are people watching. Paul, this gets to your rule number one, which is compelling tight games. And Saturday night was was a great great finish to that game. Here's the thing about this series that surprises me so much. With starters, the Bucks' front line five against the Suns' front line five, plus 31 in field goals, plus 25 in free throws, despite Giannis sucking, plus 32 in offensive rebounds, minus 14 in turnovers. Five on five, the Bucks starting five, are that's significant to me, better. I mean, the guys that aren't getting it done, Cameron Johnson, Cameron Payne, Torrey Craig, guys that most people don't know. I don't know them before I started paying close attention to this series. Frank Kaminsky, right? And they've had an injury uh, you know, of, of a key guy there. But the Bucks in transition were fantastic. The Suns have to slow them down. And the Suns are going to have to extend minutes for those first five. Can't get anybody in foul trouble and are going to have to really extend. Booker already is really extended. But you can't really sit those guys if you want to, to, to contend. I think what's interesting is the Suns have played well enough to win. They were 13 of 19 beyond the arc. That, that should be enough to win. Yeah. Your shot makers are hitting shots. Uh, Booker and Paul combined for 61 points. Paul had 21 and 11, 11 assists the other night. And Booker brought it. He had over 40. He's terrific. But Middleton and Holiday both brought it and showed up as well. We, we had the duo yep. talk on Friday. 
Middleton and Holiday, 29 and 27. Booker and Paul, 40 and 21. And the difference was the Bucks have the third guy. They have the guy. Yeah, the thing, about, the thing about that comparison is you've got to put Booker really against Giannis in terms of canceling out each right. other's numbers. And you've got to go down a peg. But with Phoenix, normally, whenever Booker and Paul both show up, they're winning. Yeah, I watched those guys. Too. And the three that Booker hit, uh, the pressure yeah. pack three to make it a one- or two-point game, but you knew it was going in. That's what I like about Devin Booker. He's becoming one of those guys that you know the moment Clutch. he takes that shot, yeah. he's going to hit that shot when he has to have it. When his team has to have it, he's going to get it. Wasn't as clutch when he turned it over there late, but what a shot that was. And I'm watching those three guys. We've talked a lot about Team USA basketball. Middleton, Holiday, and Booker. How much will those three guys help? I know that they're going to have to go in completely cold with that group. And, and they're going to get, if it's a game seven, they're getting there right before they open with France. In the, in the tournament, but man. Now, are they guys, allowed to land and immediately play? I think so. They don't have to quarantine or anything? I don't I don't believe so. I mean, that's a good question. I, 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 think I haven't that, seen that. I think the plan is for them to get there and, and play. They may not play the first game, you know, while they get their legs underneath them yeah. and get over there and, and, and meet with the team, but their, their plan is to be on the roster. Those three guys team will USA, join Team USA. They fly out today. Or, yeah. or maybe the, earlier this morning, they're on their way to Tokyo. Well, we've got an opening ceremonies Friday night, which with no people allowed, uh, I don't know, you know, how compelling the opening ceremonies will well, be. They'll make it. I mean, it's made for TV, yeah. generally speaking. So we'll they see. just lack the crowd shots. There's an event tomorrow. There? You know, there's always something that starts yeah. ahead yeah. of, uh, I, I don't know what, what, uh, what sport it's in. I haven't looked at the schedule yet, but uh, something gets going tomorrow. 25 years ago tonight, Muhammad Ali lit the torch in Atlanta. Wow. It's hard to believe that's been 25 years ago, that iconic moment. It's when also, he surprised everyone. You know, 96 was such a huge sports year, right? Like, it was also a year that I happened to be, you know, going into high school, so you remember things a lot yeah. more vividly from prime. that era. Yep. But 96, the, the Olympics that year, uh, I can still remember Amanda Beard, who I remember was 14 when she won those gold medals in swimming. And I'm thinking, she's my age, and she's out there winning gold medals at the time. Uh, you had Dream Team number two. Number two. In those Olympics. Yeah, that was, that was a big year for sports and a huge Olympics uh, in Atlanta. On top of the, you know, the, the bombing yep. in Atlanta, everything that took place 25 years ago. Well, that was also the year of Jordan's return to a championship in the NBA. That was Bulls over Sonics in six games in the NBA Finals. Sean Kemp. That was, that was the game where he won on Father's Day and collapsed yeah. in the end. Yeah. Um, a lot of big things that year. The Yankees beat the Braves in the World and Series. Jim Larratt, baby. You Jim guys Lairich. will remember better than, better than I. It was, it was supposed to be an a, a, a Olympic swimmer that lit the torch in Atlanta. Everyone expected that. Like Costas and everyone, were, they were thinking it was going to be a swimmer. Well-kept secret. And then Ali came out. I think that's how the story goes. I don't remember who it was supposed to be, but I remember Ali being. How do you a, a keep that a secret? secret. No social media. Well, that helps. I yeah. mean, I think that it's just that that's another example of you could keep things a secret in 1996, where it's going to get leaked. Now, with it, everyone's a newsmaker, so if someone sees Muhammad sees Ali in a staging in area, right, yeah. in the same outfit yeah. as everyone else carrying the torch, that's going to be a photo, boom, online, everyone has it. So you can't save things for a big moment. And that was a huge moment. And that was really cool when he was the, the one waiting in the end. Um, that was 
I remember, uh, you know, the Olympic torch relay coming through my hometown, for instance, that year, going to Atlanta. So, big year for sports. You and I'm the, looking forward to the Olympics. We always say that, boy, there's just no buzz going into it this year. And then the moment they get the case, here, though. there's buzz. Yeah. Yeah. There's going to be some storyline or something we're paying attention to yeah. with the primetime coverage yeah. that will suck you in. There's not a lot of lead-up. I did see the women's soccer schedule. They play at 4 a.m. Their pool play games, so that's not going to be anything I, I see live. You mentioned the torch coming through your hometown. The Lake Placid torch came through my hometown, and I remember us taking that home and building a fire that night and having it. Oh, that's cool. That in our fireplace uh, overnight, Was it and like then a thinking back, they set up a parade for it. Or yeah, what? came through Main Street, and I remember just thinking, especially after. The miracle on ice and everything, how cool it was that we had that flame in our house. Uh, I'm, I'm getting excited just thinking about it now as, uh, as a little kid having that. Uh, I was 11, I guess, having that in our house. Uh, Morikawa, we have the, the American with the Open. And another. Now he's headed to the Olympics. But we gave Chad some good advice on cashing <laughs> out that bet on Friday, Friday during the show. I mean, yeah, I, look, it's not, it's not your fault. I'm, it's I'm, Jacob's fault. I'm a grown man. I make my own decisions. <laughs> Uste's in uh, land every round, out. except at the end. Well, and I thought... <sighs> Number four killed him. So I typically pick, you know, and for show purpose, I'll pick three guys every time to win a major. Morikawa has been my pick for one of the three in every major that I bet on. And on Friday, I had the option to cash out on a $3 bet for, I think, $22. And I took it on Morikawa. And I rode with Ustazen. This should be a lesson for me. To, for everyone. Also, to not bet against America. I should have gone with the American. I should have not have gone with Ustazen, the South African, who always finishes second. This time he finished third in a major. But when he finishes, it's usually second when he has a great tournament. So that's my fault. Morikawa was spectacular. 31 straight holes without a bogey Oosthuizen, in that tournament. That's awesome. Incredible. Oosthuizen's 11th consecutive major, third or better. The longest such streak since Tiger did 12 in 2000, finishing in 2000. Well, we, we detailed how close he's been. It's crazy to come that close to that. Now, he, he won one of them, right? He did. But it's crazy to come he's that close to that. Strokes, he has to be tortured. I think he's 12 strokes away from seven majors, <laughs> is the, which is, when you put that in perspective, how close he's been. That's crazy. And look, he wasn't good, but that one hole completely undid him, where he went bunker to bunker. It was four, right? Uh, it was terrible. He played that whole terrible. But I mean, but that it, it, what's crazy to me is how well he played throughout that entire tournament. Very and, consistent. I mean, he, he he had the course record. He had he, he shot the open low uh, in round three on Saturday to set himself up for Sunday. Was and that then 65? you have sixty uh, five. Yeah, it yeah. He was what thirteen under, I believe, going into Sunday. And then Morikawa comes out, and he's in the middle of that Damn. 31 straight holes without a bogey, um, and a par or better. And yesterday, what was the he had eight birdies over his last 30 holes. That yeah. won him the tournament. Yeah, 30 the 31 straight in his first double. His first time in the yeah. His first and when time he putts well, Open. he wins. He's he's been in eight majors and he's won two of them. Hey, he won the PGA in his first time and he won this British Open his first time. He's 24 That's years crazy. old and he's batting uh, 250. Well, so in here's majors, not bad. 24 and he's the first golfer ever to win two majors in his in his event debuts. He won the PGA Championship and now the Open. The third golfer to win two or more majors in his first eight appearances. Uh, Bobby Jones is one of those. Um, fourth American to win the Open before age 25. 
uh, Spieth and Tiger Woods both did it, and Bobby Jones. And he's the eighth golfer in the last 100 years to win multiple majors before 25. They showed that, a, that, that's, a, that's a list with Nicholas and Woods and others. They showed a clip of him. They went back. I presume it was before Thursday, maybe like Wednesday media availability or whatever. It was on the path somewhere being interviewed. This was in uh, Golf Channel's post-tournament uh, stuff after NBC went off the air, which, by the way, is even for a golf channel incredibly dry and boring they, they need Golf, somebody you're saying yeah they need somebody that with a little bit more personality the analysis is quite good but it's, it's very dry Teresa was like boy that was boring and this is after a champion's crown and they're they've got a lot to talk about it's just very dry I, I know there's a lot of audience that have the same personalities but they need to puff it up a little bit um but there was a video of him, and he's saying, I, I'm not here just to experience this or to, you know, shoot for a top 10 or a top 20. I, I'm at the point now where I should be winning something like this. You know, and he kind of said there was a stage where, you know, kind of first time through, uh, you know, I, I, I felt like, you know, getting my feet wet at stuff like this was important and experiencing and everything. And I can't remember who a mentor of his was who told me, you know, he said he told me. You're, you're good enough to go out there and win these things now. You shouldn't be thinking anything like that. It was just, it's not surprising to hear him say that, but going and playing that clip right after he wins it was very prescient. Like, he, he had his head on his shoulders the whole time. 24-year-old guy. This is kind of like, what we like big personalities, but we also like a guy who's like business-like, young, focused, uh, lean, mean, and has an element of his game right. He's a really good player, and when he putts well, he tends to win. He went out there and putted well, and he boom. was great. Well, I, I like American dominance. I like American athletes that dominate on a global stage. There's never going to be another Tiger Woods. Let's put that out there right now. Not going to happen. There's there's a first for everything, and you can't when you you can't be the first twice. And I think Tiger Woods capitalized on a time and place where golf was at that moment, and when he entered, where he skyrocketed the sport. And even people that didn't necessarily like Tiger Woods, you wanted him there on Sunday. You needed him there on Sunday. We all did. We wanted to watch him there. I watch Colin Morikawa, and he's not Tiger Woods from a personality standpoint. But I get so super excited for Jordan Spieth and his run. And by the way, Jordan Spieth is beyond back. He hasn't won the major yet, but he is right there, top six in all of them. And he is golfing very, very well. I want him back. I want Morikawa to continue this. I root like crazy Spieth was for someone to six. go on a great run. Spieth was minus six in his last 12 yesterday. That's a finish. And he, then he had the eagle before that. He had the eagle to get within well, one. I want these young guys, these young Americans, to continue at this pace. And I know it's impossible to ask you know, someone who's won two of their eight majors they've been in at 24 to keep up with that pace. Yeah. But I want to see guys that you go into these tournaments like Tiger Woods in his prime, and at least you're thinking they're going to be right there. I don't think it's ever going to be DeChambeau. It's not Dustin Johnson. It could be Spieth again. He's becoming that guy who's going to be around on Saturday and Sunday, and it definitely could be Colin Morikawa. And that's why I've bet on Colin Morikawa every tournament since the PGA. When he came from not in first place on the final day and had that great round because I'm rooting for a story like that and a guy that can capture the imagination of American golf fans. And you can go into every tournament rooting for a guy like that. 
And everything I've seen from Colin Morikawa, he's an eminently likable dude, just like Jordan Spieth. Both, I love both that. very yeah. likable. Uh, By the way, Spieth missed 18th, that two-foot putt on 18 on Saturday. I thought would totally derail him. It did not. He golfed great on Sunday, but that's where he fell out of that top grouping with Morikawa and Oosthuizen. And I thought NBC's taken a lot of heat on the broadcast, and I think for a number of reasons, rightfully so, they got it right because immediately when that happened, they pointed out, if you go back to yesterday, he hit a, the same putt on 18, and he thought he missed it. And it was maybe a foot and a half. It was a tap-in. And he hesitated, and you could see he kind of laughed when he got the, the ball out of the cup thinking, I almost screwed that up. And they said that was in his head on that putt, and they went back and showed it side by side, one, or one after the other, and showed where it was the same putt the day before. He almost missed it, and then he choked on it the next day, which was great. What, what, what you brought up the NBC broadcast, it, and whenever Fox would, would have the Open in the past, it, there would be criticism that Fox wasn't living up to the broadcast expectations of what golf fans want. I, I look at it differently. I, I think CBS sets such a bar for their coverage because they do it week in and week out. They're excellent. They're, but they're, they're so good that the other networks, who are also doing it very well, can't live up to the expectation that CBS sets because they do it week in and week out. Uh, I think the broadcast differences are so jarring to people that they look at it and think, oh, this is horrible, when really they're doing a good job. It's just not up to the CBS excellence of how they do it, again, on a weekly basis on tour and how they do it early in the, the majors with the Masters and, and others. They, they are very good at what they do on the 18 holes. Oftentimes, we're just looking for a negative. I think psychologically, that's just with where our brain voices, goes. different different analysts. With different things, yeah. we're looking for a negative. Hutton, you bring up a great point in that maybe sometimes we should just point out excellence. Because it's, it's it just an excellent bar that CBS has. And I NBC, CBS is excellent. NBC by itself alone is probably just fine. Right. And if, NBC, if there was no CBS coverage, we could be saying, boy, NBC's great with their coverage of, of golf. But because... Nance, Faldo, and CBS set that bar so high. I think it's an excellent point. But I, I mean, we I, should just sit there and, and applaud yeah. CBS. Yeah, but also, it's for doing a great you job. know you have Bali Onis who does the the interviews yep. very Amanda well. Uh, the, you, round. You, yeah, so but I, mean, I don't think it's f unfair to say, look, CBS sets a very high bar, and when I'm watching major golf, I want it to be that good. So NBC and ABC should step up their games and. And get close to matching it. Well, because that's my expectation. NBC's also sending half of their broadcast crew over to Tokyo two weeks early to quarantine. Well, so I mean, I mean they that, got the contracts for these. That's things. also gotta, part of it. Yeah. Uh, where, but but they still have Dan Hicks and others hosting it. Uh, I don't have that, a problem with the talent. I thought they were but good. If, but if you have issues with the with the uh, production, I, I think I think you raise a good point that CBS is excellent. But I would raise the point that hey. That's, that's the standard. If you're going to broadcast golf, go strive to meet the standard. I think, it, and I've never called golf in, in my career, but I think it also speaks to the difficulties of producing a golf broadcast because I don't think we're sitting here picking apart the difference between NBC, CBS, Fox, ESPN in terms Football. of NFL production yeah. because I think the book is out on how to do a good NFL broadcast. And everyone that's in those high positions at those networks, they know exactly how to put out a great NFL football broadcast. A little bit. Those well, and they yeah, they've worked at different places, but they know the tricks. 
you know, the book's been written. You can add little things here and there, and different broadcasts do different things well with that. The announcers are obviously going to add to it at the different networks, but there's no big discernible difference. It seems that CBS has unlocked a cheat code with golf coverage that the other networks have not unlocked. I may be wrong here, but I, I, and maybe somebody will correct me on Twitter if I am. I think I read last week that NBC was taking the BBC's feed. Maybe so. And that may have been a measure uh, on COVID. And that that's not a bad thing because the BBC obviously knows what it's doing at the British Open. When did the British Open become the Open? It's always been it's the been Open. It's been the Open. We, it? just, we just refer to it in America. As the, uh, us ugly Americans refer to it as the British Open. It's caught on It's over the here Open Championship. The open. Right. In Europe, which that's a European tour deal, that is the Open Championship. So it's so like I, I the Masters. I think you wouldn't like that because you're, uh, you're, you're talking very strongly about the American golfer. Yeah. So the Open should be the U.S. Open. I mean, it's the uh, name history. of it. I mean, look, history I, trumps. I hate the Ohio State University, but it is the title of the <laughs> Ohio State University. So they're being technically correct. I like accuracy in broadcasting also. That is known as the Open Championship, where it is the United States Open for our Open Championship. So I'm fine it's with older. it. But it's here's older. The other thing too. So it I'm also fine dense. with Americans calling it the British Open because we have the U.S. Open. So if you want to name it that, even though that's not the official name, that's okay as well. It's got dibs based on history. Right. So. If you follow us at OutKick or at OutKick360, we just tweeted out details for FanDuel, speaking of the U.S. You can go to FanDuel.com slash OK360. And for the Olympics coming up, new users, bet $10, get $100. Bet $20, get $200 when a new user signs up, deposits, and places their first bet on any Olympics market. This is not two separate offers, but you get one where you can choose how much you want to bet. You sign up at fanduel.com slash OK360, fanduel.com slash OK360. Restrictions apply. See full terms at FanDuel Sportsbook. Outkick 360 across the Outkick network. If you are watching on YouTube, we hope that you will go and subscribe to the channel. If you're there, hit the subscription button, ring that bell so you know we go live each and every day. And a great offer, just by subscribing, you have the Sony prize pack through Hertz Audison, the full car stereo system. This is over a $2,500 value. Just by subscribing to our YouTube channel, we're going to pick a winner, a subscriber to the channel next month, and you'll win the Sony and Hertz Audison prize pack through OutKick and OutKick 360. NIL, a big topic, and, and it will be this week down in Hoover, Alabama for the SEC Media Days as coaches and ADs and commissioners and, and everyone across the country, they begin to sort through how they're going to approach the 2021 season and beyond, because everyone's trying to figure this out. Well, Michigan, they now have a, a, a retail store, the official retail store for the Michigan Wolverines. They've, I guess a loophole is the way to describe this. You can now purchase a custom jersey with your favorite player's last name on the back, and the player will get $10 of that jersey purchase. Now, you can't go to a, a shelf and pull it off the shelf with the, with the jersey and the name Withrow on the back off, off the counter and go to the counter. You have to order this as a custom jersey and put any last name you want on it. And the way the, law, or the, way the laws and boundaries are set up right now, 
you can do that through the custom option of the Michigan uniform and the players. The way I read it, Chad, get ten dollars per uniform. So you sold have with to make sure it. you're doing it the right way if you want to assure the player well, you're getting money. Let's not let's not drown in the minutia of this story because I, I don't really care about that. This is what NIL was created for. Yeah. To me, I saw yeah. the story and I thought, this is. We've talked about all the weird things that'll happen with female gymnasts and social media influencers and people who have businesses that they own and all this. Michigan. In a school of that size, with that fan base, and all the big college teams out there, being able to be a player at those schools and profit from that school and third-party retailers selling, selling your jersey to the public, this is what NIL was created for. I love this story. I know Tennessee's working out a deal, or maybe they already have, uh, with, a, with an apparel company as well on this. It's a- the schools should not only embrace this and be okay with it, they should promote their fans, go to this place, and buy from them if they're going to buy that jersey number. Johnny Manziel brought up this issue. Can we go back now and all the number two jerseys that are sold at Texas A&M, can I now get that even if I'm out of school? New ones. Since they've yeah. been you know, benefiting from my number two, even if they're not selling with the name on the back, put the name on the back, put them in stores, have the authentic team jerseys, and give the kids that get the jersey sold for them a cut. Ten dollar, and I know there's a there's a youth there's a youth price, an adult price for this jersey, but they're doing a flat ten dollars regardless. Yeah. Even if you get one of the cheaper jerseys, I think this is great. And when I started envisioning NIL, it was this story that immediately jumped to mind that was going to happen. And kudos to this company in Michigan for reaching a deal on this. And if I'm a Michigan fan, and you're a Jersey person, go buy from that store. Yeah. If you're a Tennessee fan, and this happens. Go buy from that store. I think and this is the only store way, you can do that. That's your that's your way of supporting your your guys. But I'd say get rid of the other, knock the other thing out of business. Where if you go buy it off the shelf at the store, the kid doesn't get the money. And I think that's a loophole. I, I don't like that. That there's a route where a fan, not knowing this, could inadvertently buy it this way and not give the kid money where if you bought it the other way you would be giving the kid money most people aren't going to know the difference well to if my, you want a jersey you're going to buy a jersey so the, the way this is set up is the m den uh the michigan retail store they cut a deal with jared uh wangler who is uh he started the valiant management group and he's a michigan football player and he's representing the football team and they cut a deal through him where this will license those custom jerseys through eligibility for every single player on the football team. The way I read this is the MDEN is the only retailer that can put names with the proper number on the back of a Michigan uniform. Right. My point is don't go buy the knockoff. Like go ahead and spend the money and buy the one that's actually going to go back <coughs> to your favorite player that yeah. you're buying the jersey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. there's still ways to go and buy the Walmart brand jersey for walking your up team. to the game yeah or walking up to the game with a vendor outside yeah. so go buy from there whoever your favorite team is if you're going to buy a jersey buy the jersey where you're giving ten dollars back to the player you're buying the jersey from and i think this should extend for all time i think if you're a star player if uh, charles woodson's jersey is a top seller at this store that you want a classic michigan players jersey or tom brady I think the money it should extend. Well, so but, uh, but here's they should uh, negotiate a bigger deal. Yeah, but yeah. Fo- follow me here because before they got nothing. You know, they go to the NFL, they get their deal with apparel and NFL contracts mm-hmm. and all that. 
This is a ploy for recruiting also. If you can go in and say, if you're Jim Harbaugh at Michigan, Tom Brady made X amount of money on top of everything else he's making based on Michigan jersey sales, or Charles Woodson did, or Peyton Manning did at Tennessee. If you come here and you're the next star quarterback, this is not just a four-year proposition. You can make money off your name, image, likeness with your jersey, your custom jersey being sold until the day you die. It's like a movie royalty. Um, yeah, it's like yeah, getting the check from a sitcom you were in right. years ago. But for most kids, this doesn't amount to much, which is what we said all along. The, 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 the big-time kids are going to get something, and the other kids are going to get, you know, 50 bucks from their relatives buying five, five jerseys for the, for the right guard. And that's what their name, image, likeness is worth. Right. Yeah, which is fine. But it's not, yeah, this, this isn't a windfall for the entire team. It's a windfall, it's be a windfall for, the, for some. For the best kid. Arch Manning's going to go somewhere, and he's oh, going to yeah. make a lot of money off jersey sales. Um, Matt Corral, right now at Ole Miss, could probably make a bunch of money on jersey sales. JT Daniels at Georgia could make a lot of money off jersey Spencer, sales. Countless Spencer Alabama Rattler. players you know, could make a lot of And you're right, it's not going to be everyone, but this is the beauty of the free market. I, I don't care. I mean, I don't care if everyone's oh, no. not making the same. This is not communism. If you're a star, you're going to make more off of this. Now, here is another issue that I've been thinking about with, in regards to players wanting more love. We see this in recruiting. I want more love. Offensive line signs a deal, or an offensive tackle signs a deal with a company, and the guy who's starting an offensive guard is upset that he doesn't have a deal yet. These schools, I know it's not set up this way, but I'm thinking about how they're going to work around the rules. These coaching staffs and these schools are going to need to have connections business-wise where they can go in and say, my starting right tackle, Jonathan Hutton, has a deal for $10,000 a year with this car dealer. Paul Koharski at left guard is pissed, and this other, this other school is saying he could make a lot more money with them. So I need you to help out and sign a deal with Paul Koharski to keep him happy in here. Right? These are some of the unintended consequences that could happen. But again, on this jersey deal thing, I think it's I think it's great, and it's exactly what I had in mind when this this new legislation was announced. And this is legit. Uh, I mean, there's actually a transaction going on that benefits you. This isn't somebody trying to find a route to pay you for very little, uh, you know, a, a boost or working behind the scenes now, to find to find a method. Also, well, let's let's talk about that claim. So that's why they have set it up through the custom jersey market. Um, the way I understand it is they believe that if you're a booster and you wanted to go buy an order of $1,000 Arch Manning customized jerseys for Ole Miss or LSU, you could do that much easier than having to go through the MDIN and do it customized, where you have to go through the actual retailer and have them do every single jersey instead of a mass production at a lower cost where the player would benefit off of the $1,000 even though no one's actually ordered them except for the big booster. This is a way to track that. Now, whether or not you actually buy that that would happen, um, that's another argument to make in and of itself, if it should be allowed or it shouldn't. But that's why you can't go buy it off the rack. You have to order it customized, just like you would your own personal name. That makes name. sense. And you'll find another way to launder it, but this isn't the way. Yeah, yeah, right. And th the idea would be the retailer would notify the school. Also, uh, according to Darren Ravel, this deal that Michigan set up with its players is twice as good as what an NFL player receives off of the merchandising deal for teams that sell their merchandise right. at the team locker rooms, 
which is crazy to think about. So you get five bucks if you're Caleb Farley. Not necessarily five bucks. It, it's it's a percentage of the whatever the sale price is. Okay. So. But it usually doesn't it's, it's, amount it, to But the percentage much. is twice as good as what the NFL player is receiving. Well, that's that's terrific. terrific. And guess what $10. the NFLPA is going to be talking about soon. Well, if, I if guess. If this takes off. If this takes off. <laughs> I, I guess they will. Well, it, it, I, I really do think it's something that benefits both sides. Now, not everything is going to be perfectly uh, in sync with, with benefits to either side. I think it benefits the retailer to be the one that's the official spot to, get, to help out your team and to put money back in the players' pockets. And it certainly helps the players. And we're going to see this grow. You know, right now it's the customized market, you know, online, putting the name on it. If you're a big retailer and you've got multiple locations around the state that yeah. you're involved in, you need to start contacting your school to see if you can be the one that does this because you then want to push people into your stores. You want to have those customized jerseys on the racks for people to come in and buy. I think it helps everyone. How do you, how do you feel about what we're seeing right now are university teams have a player rep almost. It's like a miniature version of a PA where you see the, the individual teams that are setting up uh, their own businesses, for lack of a better way to put this, uh, their own agency that are representing teammates. Michigan's doing this. Uh, Miami and Florida State have done this. Tennessee is doing this through Grant Fer Ferking. Uh, and Altia Sports. Altia Sports. official UT, yeah. Uh, and, and in this case, it's uh, Valiant Management Group through a player on the Michigan football team. Two ways to attack this, and I don't know which one is right, and time will tell, because I really do believe that all these schools, their heads are spinning with the possibilities and what to say yes to and what not. And I think it's difficult decisions for a lot of them. You can't just blanket say yes to everything. Hire the outside firm like an Altia Sports Group that Tennessee's hired, or this Valiant Group that has done this things like this before, sports agencies, someone that can work out some sort of percentage, help manage the business for you. Or... You've got the money in some cases. Hire your own department. Do you need to have an outside? This is like hiring a search firm. Do you need it? It if is. If you're Danny you're right. White at Tennessee, you know people in sports business. Why don't you come up with your own culture of NIL and hire people to run a department? It may be three or four people if you hire the right people, but they're the ones that you've got an on-campus contact that you go to and you ask those questions if you're a player. Hey, this person reached out to me on Instagram. I'm thinking about this car deal versus this car deal. Can you look at this contract for me? Can we do this? You need a point person where every athlete, and it's not going to be compliance. Compliance is going out the oh, window. It's a different department. It's a different department that can work through these deals, that can help maximize for these athletes. I don't know which is better. It's either the outside firm that you hire as a contractor that's going to work with 50 other schools, or you decide to hire your own NIL department. I've not seen a lot of schools hire a full department where they're running it within their athletic department because I think most schools are just throwing their hands well, up and saying, wait and we see. don't know what to do. Wait and see. But I also think, I mentioned this earlier, I mean, a school, most schools have a sports marketing program, sports business even, uh, in, in their business school, uh, uh, a sports arm, right? I, I would work hard to establish a connection there where some of your best sports business students uh, they're not going to take over this department. They're not going to run this department. But you you put the athletes and these kids together to brainstorm. That's where a lot of the best stuff's going to come from, right? Hey, I'm your age, and I'm I'm uh, 
a whiz entrepreneurial guy who's coming up with the ideas of what you, how you can make money off this, and you're the guy who's looking to turn your, your football personality or your basketball personality into money. Let's work together. I think it's also, it's a great point. I think it's also naive when the NCAA and everyone is saying, now you can't use this in recruiting. These are only for players yes. on campus that That's have signed. It's incredibly naive. How are you going to control that conversation? They can't. It's never going to be the number one factor. It's going to be the number one factor. I should take that back. It's going to be the number one factor for very few athletes that are going to decide to go somewhere because this school, I've got a better deal set up than the other school. I still think the programs with the power are going to be the ones that benefit from this more than everyone else. It's not going to throw the whole power structure out of whack. And maybe maybe this, one or two very creative schools get themselves into the mix in a way more so. Well, I'll, I'll go a step further. One, two, three, four schools in a conference will fall way behind because they're not doing I, it I, right. I agree with you there. It, it's, it's, they don't if catch everybody's up. cheating, I better be cheating also mentality that we've seen in the SEC for years, you better be on top of it. I'm not saying that there's not going to be one school that overspends every other school, but if you're not doing this, if you're Vandy and you're not connecting you to not all the deal. right alums and local Nashville deal. businesses, you will fall even more behind. That's the risk. I don't think there's a way to propel yourself to go way above the great programs. There is a way to fall way behind, and that's being way behind on this and not having those alums or those businesses that are on speed dial to help you with recruits. Uh, just a tease to the Tennessee Power Hour. We're talking about selling guys' jerseys with their number on it to help the kid make a couple bucks. That'd be very hard to do at Vanderbilt right now because Vanderbilt kids don't have jersey numbers. We'll circle back to that 15 minutes or later, but this idea that a jersey number is something earned is ridiculous to me. Jersey number is an identifier. That's it. It's kind of like your name. Uh, there are certain things you could earn, and I get that, what Clark Lee's doing. This takes it too far. This will be a good discussion coming up in our Power Hour. We're also seeing local businesses partner with media companies to pay players for interviews. Details on that next on OutKick 360. OutKick 360 across the OutKick network at Texas A&M, uh, a local website, uh, has partnered with a real estate group to pay players exclusively for interviews during the college football season. Running back Isaiah Spiller and safety Damani Richardson are each going to be featured on texags.com as part of a deal partnered with a real estate company that's going to pay them for the exclusivity of their comments during the football season. This is a huge mistake. I mean, if you want to find a way to pay a guy, that's fine. But guys have nothing to say. Unless these are two of the greatest personalities in the history of the A&M, uh, that's great. Odds are they're going to say, hey, we're playing really hard. We're focused on the next game. And they're going to spew the same cliches that they'll spew at the weekly press conferences where I think they'll be still required to be. And they're going to say the same things that they said to you for $10,000, you could invest a $10,000 in something far better than some quote-unquote exclusive press availability, which isn't going to be that exclusive because you're going to have to be in whatever the equivalent of the open locker room is or whatever it is. They're going to have to talk in some regard. 
that the university mandates or college football mandates. They are not going to get their money's worth out of this. Paul, you're missing the point on this one. They are not doing this for good content. They know they're not going to get great interviews out of this. They are doing this because Tex-Ags has one of the biggest subscriber bases in America for a college site. And this is them flexing to say, look at us helping you out. We are paying star players $10,000. You need to spend your money with us in monthly subscriptions. We are the avenue that we're going to give you all things Texas A&M. And not only that, we're going to help your enjoyment by paying the players with the money that you're giving us. This separates TexAgs.com even more from the pack. Yeah. And it, it's also, a, it's, a, it's not just a two, three, four year commitment. You know, you do this with Isaiah Spiller. The hope is Isaiah Spiller's going to come back to Tex-Ags and do, if he's a star NFL player in five years, do a feature with you. Do something with you to help you long term. You're building relationships with these guys. This is all about, look at me. I think it's a good business move from that respect. If VolQuest decided to pay the top two players at Tennessee for exclusive access, I think it's a great move. I'll also say this. Very uncomfortable that the school is playing this game and they're denying every other media member those players because they have a Are side they? deal with another one. It says you exclusive say, content. Yeah. Now, the first one was exclusive well, content for SEC media days and leading up to it. But if they're telling other reporters, we're not going to grant you access to, uh, to this because the player has a side deal, and maybe it's the player saying, I'm not doing it. Well, the players are, these two players it. are not going to Birmingham. They're not in Hoover. Yeah, but I know it's, it's exclusive content leading up and through it with them. They're, they're going to be a part of it even though they're not there. Right. But my point being is the, is the team playing ball with this. That's where it's going to get tricky. Big, that's a big question. But, because well, then, let's use our example. I mean, we had player shows uh, with the Titans. Those players are still made available to the media. And they're contractually bound to be available to the media, though. Do you have, does the NCAA or the conference have rules about availability of players? Well, I, I don't know what the rule it, – it's, it's not NFL-like when it comes to it's, media yeah, rules from and, and open locker room. They make up their own rules school to school. I think, though, that those players could just easily say, I'm not interviewing – I'm not doing anything they, they could. other than with Billy Lucci from TexAgs.com. By the way, Casey Smith, our buddy who's now with Barstool, mm -hmm. got her start with TexAgs.com and that site. Yep. Um, it's, it's a very tricky situation if the schools are now playing ball with this. If they come to the school and say, we're paying for this guy, you can't give him to the rival site, and the school says, you're right, the sports information director at that school says, I won't grant them access to well, you. What control does I the think it's weird if they're playing interference. If the player is the one that's saying this. Again, if the player's saying it, it's one thing, but if the school is blocking requests. What's the coach saying is really what it comes down to. You've got to be careful in how you handle it. If I'm the SID and I respond to Paul Kuharski wanting an interview with someone, and my response is, I'm not going to let you have that person because they have a deal with Tex Ags. That's a problem. If you go and say, let me ask him, and then, hey, Isaiah doesn't want to do it. Sorry, he's getting money from Tex Ags, and he won't, I will help you out with someone else. But he says no. That's still a problem. I mean, it's, it's putting it on the kid, not on the thing, but it's going to create a real bad atmosphere in the media thing, which I guess is a, the new media problem, but <clears throat> um, these guys also, if they have NFL lives to come after that, are going to then have to walk all of this back into a It's another step towards where we're going, state-run media everywhere. That's what it's, that's what it's getting closer to. There's not going to be access for everyone. 
It's going to be very closed off and segmented, and they're going to do whatever they want. And that's, that's what pro teams are starting to do. COVID-19 gave them a cover to do that, and now they like it, so well, they're going to keep doing it. And colleges have always had this ability. They don't have to give you a player. You know, they'll respond to you on a coach request, but very rarely would a college even say, oh, yeah, we'll get you that player. They may not grant access to any players if they don't but want this, to. This, to me, is brilliant by Tex Ags because this is the anti-state-run media. This is, instead of giving you what every other outlet can give you and whatever Texas A&M wants to allow us to have access to, since we can't watch practice, uh, no one can go and watch practice anymore, um, we're, we're going to have exclusive access to players, and we've got a sponsor that's willing to step up and do it with us. And it, it's going to be content that you would not find anywhere else. I, I love it. I think it's brilliant. I love it. It's a brilliant business decision by them. It could be a good content decision. Are they going to say But anything? I think in getting the good content, and this is the point I'm going to make, Paul, in getting the good content that they want, then they're going to cause a problem with the head coach in TexAgs.com. That's because when those players go on and talk about practice and give exclusive content that the coach doesn't want out there, even if it's something stupid and simple that Jimbo Fisher shouldn't care about, we know coaches. Jimbo Fisher's going to care about it, and he's going to call Billy Lucci at Tex Ags, and he's going to bitch him out over it. And then they're going to have a problem with the head coach. And that's those players are there for two years maybe. The coach is going to be there a lot longer. So then what happens? You're going to get more state-run media. <laughs> If that's the case, they're going to be careful about what they, they publish yeah, at that this point. This takes control away, conceivably, from the head coach. But I think the players are more likely not to offer up anything that would piss off the head coach, and I think it's going to be very general. Well, they may not give us the, what, what uh, you know, the trash talk in the locker room. Well, how's your uh, ankle? Well, th they may give that. I mean, that, that's their information to hand out now because oh, they're I going agree. to be accessed. They're now made available to the media because they chose to do that. I agree, um, but it's always everybody's it, uh, information it's also, to give out. As you well know, out. it's also up to the host to make it entertaining. Uh, I, I would also say Tex-Ax knows what they're doing uh, whenever they're bringing these kids into a studio and they have a compelling interview to have. I, we did that on a weekly basis with a player show with the Titans. They weren't going to talk crap about Mike Malarkey, but we still had a compelling hour that was highly rated, the highest rated hour on the station for that fall. So Absolutely. So but one again, of them ultimately decided not to do it anymore, largely because he was getting grief from inside. I think there's a difference, though, here, Paul, in that what you're talking about is an NFL team, and, um, and they, they, go, they can go to the player more readily and say, hey, this is the rules for everything. I yeah. do think in college, especially because you can transfer so quickly and go to a rival whenever you want, the coach is going to take their anger out on the site. I think with Tex Ags, if something is revealed that, well, that Jimbo Fisher doesn't want revealed, I think they're more likely to go to the site. They're not going to bench. Isaiah Spiller's not going to get benched not gonna because bench he did an interview but with Tex Ags him, they don't like. They'll give him grief, too, I think. Maybe. Let's also say Texas A&M would also – they're also going to listen to Tex Ags. Yep. 650,000 views a week uh, for – for the content they're going to provide just for that article or that click. I mean, that, it, Texas A&M needs to acknowledge that Tex Ags has some news and some scoop and that they, that they very likely haven't always gone with. Uh, you could compare VolQuest the same way. What, we, what VolQuest puts in that war room, I'm sure there are details to what they're putting in that war room that's exclusive content for subscribers. As we sort of start to transition to the Tennessee that, Power Hour. That they're holding back, I'm saying. As we transition to that hour, 
I'll say this, and I'm calling my shot, and I'm going to bring it up with Brent and Austin. They should do this. Yes. VolQuest should do this. They have the base to do this, and here's where this is going to go. Josh Heupel is going to come to him and say, got your next $10,000 guy. He's a senior edge rusher right now, five-star, in Opelika, Alabama. He's down to us in Bama. Go to them. You talk to these recruits, Austin. Tell them this is it. This is the $10,000. you are going to be one of the two $10,000 guys if you sign here. Coaches would be wise to utilize these sites in recruiting. And these sites will help them because they are team fan base sites. So if you're approached by the head coach and you say, I think we can get this guy, if you're going to be, if you're at Tex Ags and he's down to Texas, Texas A&M and LSU, put him over the top by making him a $15,000 deal per year to be the exclusive Tex Ags guy. That's going to help us. I think you're going to see relationships like that form. The next question is what happens when the kid fumbles and loses the game? Well, either way, you get the exclusive access to ask him that question. That, that, and that's the point here. It's not what he says. It's that you get to ask it, and it's exclusive to your website. Well, then, in, in Marcus Mariota wasn't saying anything, but you would have had an exclusive interview with you at paulkarski.com, yes or no? Uh, if, if, if I did If you had a sponsor this, that paid for it, you absolutely would do it, even oh, though he wasn't I, saying I, anything. I, I would never do this. I'm old school. I'm just, this is, this is young. I, I'm going to survive not getting to the point where I pay for, for anything. But well, I don't think it's worth $10,000 to hear Marcus Mariota's boring answer it's, to that It's question. worth whatever the sponsor's willing to pay. I mean, you were a part of a show that did this. <laughs> yeah. Those guests we had on weren't doing it for free. Uh, the goodness of their own heart. The, they were the, getting the paid by The real estate group is the one that's paying for this. Yeah, the, one of the sponsors of the site. Yeah, it's, it's a new dawn for sure. And I'm sorry, Paul, but if someone came to you and said, we'll pay ten grand." <laughs> To put Mike Vrabel on weekly just with you and your site, uh, you would be foolish to say no to that. Yeah, I'm not doing a good job differentiating the sponsorship from the, uh, from the site. Well, they're, they're not cutting them a check. They are, but the, the sponsorship money is what's coming on top of it, right? That's what's yeah. coming around the bend to pay for the right to cut that check. But again, what we had was exclusivity on Tuesday. We talked to somebody a day before they were talking to anybody else. We sure. weren't locking them out of talking to anybody. I'm curious what happens with this. Yeah, and then they may not be locking anyone out, but the, the player is more likely to save things. We, we saw this. Uh, the player is more likely to save things for the, the radio show that, they, that they're not going to say in a, in a gang up at their locker. Um, that's but also great, if especially I'm, if you've got a guy with a good personality. And, and I don't know why you would uh, – these, these two guys weren't chosen at random. Yeah, they should be the best two personalities they yeah. on the team. And I'm sure they talked to him beforehand. They had a relationship with him before yeah. and knew they would be good and knew they would bring something to the table. But also, if I'm the site and have a sponsor spending that money, they better be exclusive. I know you're saying we don't know that they're going to be locked out of everywhere else, but if I'm the site, I'm paying for exclusivity to those guys. That's part of the deal. Now, whether that's the school blocking everyone else or the players saying no and not answering anyone else's questions, that's – Part of my investment also is they're only doing things with me. Coming up, the Tennessee Power Hour includes a trade that I have been banging the drum on for the Nashville Predators for the last couple of years. Poyle made it uh, this past weekend, and I'll explain why it makes sense. There's a lot of people locally that are not digging too deep on, on the layers of this trade and what it opens up for the Nashville Predators. We'll, we'll go through why Ryan Ellis was shipped out. 
Also, we will get into Clark Lee and Vanderbilt. They don't have names. They don't have numbers right now on the back of their jerseys. We'll, we'll discuss that and much more straight ahead. Tennessee Power Hour, Outkick 360. Hey, it's Jonathan Hutton. Thanks for listening to Outkick 360. Be sure to subscribe to the show to have the latest podcast delivered to you each and every day. And give us five stars. It helps us grow our network and provide you with more great podcasts like this one.